You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. That is a great day. Whenever we have kids dedicated, when we have an VBS, our VBS continues tonight at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, we'll try to have shade as much as we can for folks who need some shade. I know a lot of you are looking for just like when you're out walking or running, right? You're looking for shade everywhere you get. Well, it's good to have you here. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace Community Church. I'm going to be talking about children from the Word, but it's far more than about children this morning. I have a couple of things to say, though. First of all, grateful for this beautiful platform that Peter Wallace uh, built for us in, in, in conjunction with his dad, grandfather, deacons, other volunteers. Got this going. We're still working out some kinks. Uh, this is the first time we've, we've met down here. So um, we'll get those taken care of, though, with the feedback and all that. We've got to work on sound a little bit. But I, it's really great for, for this being the first day. Wanted to uh, ask for your prayers. Uh, first of all, pray that a cloud will come over the sun. That was a beautiful cloud that was here about an hour ago. But uh, secondly, and really importantly, the first one's not that big a deal. Mo- many of you know, if not most of you, that Jim and Joy Acock uh, contracted COVID while they were at the beach. And Jim also, anytime he gets any kind of respiratory thing it goes into pneumonia almost. So he's got pneumonia, and I called Joy just before uh, the service began this morning, and she said, Jimmy's doing a lot better. And then she said, wait a minute. No, he's correcting me, saying he's not a lot better. But he is better. So pray for Jim and Joy Acock. She's done very well. Um, so want to keep them in mind. Well, how great is it always to have parents who say, I want to dedicate my children to the Lord. And as Ricky mentioned, in essence, we are dedicating ourselves as not only as parents, but also as the family of God. The congregation of Grace Community Church is dedicating ourselves to help bring these children up in the nur- fear and nurture and admonition of the Lord. I think uh, we put Ricky on that duty instead of me because always in the past when I would say, do you promise to support? I'd say then, okay, we're going to pass around sheets for you to give your bank account, social security number, all that kind of stuff. But not that kind of support. That is not the kind of support our kids need. They need that which only we as the family of God can give them. It wasn't many years ago when children were not given the place of prominence that they are in our culture today. A lot of you remember that. Children are meant to be seen and not heard. That was the wisdom of the day. Apparently, that was the culture of the first century when the disciples were frantically trying to move the children out of the way who got excited and were running around and gathering around Jesus. The Savior would have none of it, of course, and commanded his disciples to allow the children to come to him. For such, he said, is the kingdom of God. And then he added, to such belongs the kingdom of God. 
It is not that Jesus was saying the kingdom is made up of only children, but that the kingdom belongs to those who have childlike faith in the heavenly father, just like little children believe their parents until they can no longer believe them. We are called to have that kind of faith and trust in the Lord. Jesus very much elevated not only the status of women in that day, which he did, but he elevated the status of children as well. This has been an eventful week in our land, to say the least. While believers rejoice in the protection of life in this week's Supreme Court decision, we're now called to step up and take care of the number of children who are going to be born who previously would not have been born. Not only do we need to be willing to come alongside of moms who have these children now on their own, but we're going to need to provide families to love them all the way to the Lord and love them enough to bring them into our homes. I'm so grateful for the love that is shown to the children here at Grace Community Church, and I'm going to be in and out of that theme all day long. Today's message, which which marks the conclusion of VBS, is taken from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, known as, partially or fully, as the Shema, because of the first Hebrew word of our text. Shema is translated here in English. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema, or to hear in Hebrew, is to obey. The implication is, if you hear it, you will obey. That's why Jesus would say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. It didn't mean just like, yeah, okay, I've got, I could hear. Really hear it and then take what I say and obey. To hear and not obey the command given is really not to hear at all. With this understanding, we'll read our text and consider what the big deal is about training our children and being so careful to train our children. A lot of people say, well, I think we need to let kids make their own choices and decisions. I promise you, Muslims are not doing that. Hindus are not doing that. Mormons are not doing that. No, God has called us to train our children in a very specific and direct way. And we're going to hear from that right now in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets or a little box with tiny scroll of scripture written and put inside. You shall bind them as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, likely the gates of the city. So from your house to the city, everywhere you go, 
the word of God needs to be there. And I can say this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you were here this weekend helping out in VBS, um, thank you. If you were here as, a, as an observer or a, a, a participant, you saw a lot of adults and, and teenage workers using their spiritual gifts in varied and beautiful ways. And a lot of things that happened this week you didn't see. They were serving the children who attended the weekend event. Much appreciation to all who serve. Thank you so very much. Even though many of your children uh, you were serving were not your own, you were fulfilling the, your role in the covenant family of God in a Deuteronomy 6 sort of way. Although there are many, many more implications that we could think about, I want us to think about five different implications, ramifications, applications from the, uh, for the church from this passage, beginning with Number one, if God is one, then he is all. Let me say that again. If God is one, then he is all. That may sound a little strange, but think about it. The way it's worded, it might be a little strange. If God is one, then he is above all. He is over all. He is all in all, etc. Throughout history, a good percentage of the people have believed that there are many gods. And with much fear, they have sought to please and placate those gods. Which, as you can imagine, consumes a great deal of mental, emotional, and physical energy. If there is one God, then all those other gods are nothing more than the products of people's imaginations. Rather than us being made in God's image, these gods have been made in our image. Because of the emphasis on VBS and the child dedication and because of the title of the message, um, you might have thought this message was about children. It's not really, though, although the training of children is an important application of the message. The focus is on God even more than it is parents training their children. The point, of course, is not only to teach your children about this one true God, but to teach them to love him by teaching them about the ways he has revealed himself to us. In both the Old and New Testaments, Scripture tells us how much God loves his covenant people, his children. We are all his children who believe in Jesus, whose only hope of heaven is in Christ. The Shema is a summary of a summary. God gave the Israelites, well, you could say it's a summary of a summary of a summary. He, he gave the Israelites 613 laws through Moses, laws that covered every area of life and really laws that are the basis for our own culture's laws or were a, a long time ago anyway. The Ten Commandments, also known as the Decalogue or the Ten Words, you might hear it called sometimes, was a summary of all 613 laws. And then the Shema was a summary of the Ten Commandments. So a summary of a summary of a summary. 
The Ten Commands, first given in Exodus 20, were restated in Deuteronomy 5, just before the Shema is given. So all Ten Commandments are listed in Deuteronomy 5, as well as Exodus 20. What is at the core of the law? The command to love the Lord your God above all else and with everything in you is the goal of the law. And that results in our loving other people. The focus of our second point is this. Without love, nothing else matters. So let's play a word association game where I say one word and then you say the first word that comes to your mind. Uh, we're going to have some interesting results, I'm sure, although I don't want you to call it out. Just, just think. But if I were to say red, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Probably blue or wolf pack, Republicans, hair, communism, or any number of responses. If I said Jesus, we might hear Savior, Lord, crucifixion, salvation, love, etc., so now, here, I'm going to say a word, and I want you to be aware of the first thing that comes into your mind. Again, don't speak it out loud, but if you do, we'll not have the ushers to remove you. It's okay. Here's the word. Law. What did you think? God. Moses. Rigid. Judgment. Difficult. I wonder if anyone thought love. I mean, I already prepped it. So maybe some of you thought, yes, love. I doubt it, even though we've already been talking about it. Think about how much time we spend complaining about the laws in our land, both laws that exist and laws that don't exist. Most of us appreciate the laws that do exist, whether we know it or not. Do you think that the law against texting while driving is a good one? Well, yeah, for other people, right? Um, do you know what ultimately motivated that law when you think about it? Love. Love for other people. Enough people lost loved ones at the hands of someone who was paying more attention to his phone than he was driving, so eventually a law was passed. Romans 13.10 says this, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. But to say that love is only about one's neighbor, and this is very important, to say that love is only about one's neighbor is to put the cart before the horse and it leads to all kinds of harmful applications from the power of the law love for god drives proper love for one's neighbor but not necessarily the other way around that's why you teach your children above all else to love the lord their god with all their heart soul and might and that love will inevitably lead to love for one's neighbor, although your distorted view of love for your neighbor will not necessarily lead to a love for God. 
Teach your children to love God, then teach them the truth of the next point. Love for God really isn't or really is not without love for your neighbor. You can't really love your neighbor like you ought to if you don't love God. But love for God really isn't love for God unless you also love your neighbor. We've already talked about this a bit. And even though the teaching is not recorded in Deuteronomy 6, it is given in Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know that Jesus added this thought when he pointed to the Shema as the great commandment. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were always trying to trap Jesus with his words. And since they viewed Jesus as the one who was attacking the law, They thought they could trip him up by asking him specifically about the law. Consider this exchange in Matthew 22 between Jesus and his detractors just before his crucifixion. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all all the law and the prophets. While it is true that love for God is first in order, it is also true that you cannot really say that you love God unless you love others also. For the last 200 years or so, Many in the Western church have focused on a relationship with God or focused on relationship with God as an individual emotional experience. If you prioritize your personal feelings about yourself and others that take prominence over a heart that loves God and his ways, you can easily stray from what is true and good for yourself and for others as well. I am saying that the church's focus on an individual relationship with the Lord has led many to neglect the needs of the poor and the disenfranchised. And isn't that ironic? It's not that our personal relationship with God is unimportant. It's very important. But we have no conception of how much the Lord designed us to be in community just because of the way that we operate In our culture, you've heard it said, if you don't look out for yourself, ain't nobody else going to look out for you. I get it. I understand that, but it's not biblical. It's not the way the church is supposed to function. And you're never going to find a church that functions exactly like you want it to. And that's part of the beauty of community. That we get along anyway. Even though things don't always go our way, we love one another. And we are designed to experience this love in community. This individual relationship that we focus on so very much with the Lord has also led believers to buy the culture's lie that a person's feelings are more important than truth. It's the tricky part of love. 
to clearly state your objection to a gay pride parade that ends with a drag queen story hour in a coffee shop in Fuquaverina of all places. It's difficult to have a love that hates sin but loves the people who are trapped without the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his love in their lives. Remember from the prayer that we have prayed every day this week? Well, some days this week. Lord, had you not opened my eyes to the truth, I would have no knowledge of you. Do not act or believe that you are better than others, even if you advocate for right based on your understanding of our holy creator, our love of God leads all to righteousness, but it also does so with, by giving us a kind and caring heart for those who are perishing, as 1 Corinthians 1 so aptly puts it. I read a portion of a conversation between Al Mohler and Rusty Reno of First Things Journal uh, that was conducted a, a year ago. I read it this past week, and Dr. Moeller said, look, the media condemns so much the religious right. You don't want to see the right without religious in front of it. You don't want to see what the right in this country will look like if there's not a Christian influence. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It'll be ugly. It'll be Nazi Germany ugly. So what's it, what's it going to be? Soviet communism or Nazi Germany? It's the bottom of the clock, you know, they're button up against each other, these totalitarian. It's just a different vision for the country. We must not forget, though, that we are the religious portion of the equation, that we have a relationship with God that makes us different than the others in the world who are duking it out. It seems like I've said the same thing for five to six weeks in a row, but from a different perspective each week. We're called to be both salt and light in this world, but we can only fulfill our calling if we love God first with all of our hearts, and then if we love our neighbors as ourselves. So where do we begin? In our homes, living as examples before our children, graciously training them to love God with all their hearts, souls, and might. In our time, many of us feel an urgency to identify with people and parties and movements with a particular political bent. We often require people to agree or disagree with us and to do so immediately. Others' stated beliefs or their split-second hesitation Tell us all we need to know about them. Tell me, conservative, that you're not like that, that you just don't write people off. Tell me, progressive, that that's not the way you are. If Jesus lives in you, that you just write people off. It's not only hopeless, but the enemy. To live in that place is to reverse the order of Jesus' words. Jesus said, all who are not against me 
are with me. We tend to live as though all who are not with me are against me. And there's a big difference in the order. Either you're in all the way or you're a traitor. It's not often that we agree with the majority of view, views in our culture. And I don't agree with that bee trying to occupy my space up here either. <laughs> but so what? So what, really? These words from Deuteronomy 6 were written to God's children, to his covenant people. I am called to love God and love my neighbor as myself, whether they agree with me or not. Or not. Who is my neighbor? A Muslim? A Mormon? The NRA? The LGBTQ plus community? Joe Biden? Donald Trump? Notice, I, I didn't say that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I said they're my neighbor. And I'm called to love all people, including those not only who disagree with me, but who might hate me. In the end, love for God really isn't without love for your neighbor. In the torment, turmoil of the divisiveness of our day, it's important that we teach our children, the children of Grace Community Church, what really matters. And that's the subject of our fourth point. The greatest gift you can give your children is to teach them the gospel. The greatest gift you can give your children is to teach them the gospel. In case you're visiting Grace for the first time today, I'll tell you that today's message is a deviation from uh, a series in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians that we're studying on Sunday mornings. In the New Testament, we learned that the law was designed to teach us God's holiness and our sinfulness. It makes us aware. The law in teaching us God's holiness and our own sinfulness, or our own inability to keep the law, teaches us that we have a need for a Savior. The gospel gives us the good news that while we were sinners and incapable of keeping the law, Jesus came to fulfill the law in every point and then take our condemnation upon himself so that he suffered our punishment. The punishment that the law requires of sinners. The basis for our love for God is God's love for us. First John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is one of those Words that you're like, huh? What? What? What in the world? Never heard of that. It's a great theological word. It, it means that Jesus' sacrifice on the on the cross satisfied God's wrath against us and his 
I often mention John Stott says it exhausted God's wrath on him in our place. So that when he looks at us, now he sees us as righteous and without sin in our lives. The point is that the truth of the gospel is the basis for our love. And it's the most important truth we can ever teach our children. How must we teach them? <laughs> Every way we can. And, and the importance of it is the focus of our last point. The gospel is a foreign language that must be reviewed continually. The gospel is a foreign language that must be reviewed continually. Our text in Deuteronomy tells us how parents are to train their children in the law. Teach them diligently or incisively or with perception. Not only the, yet, the yeas and the, and the don'ts, the yeses and the noes, the do this and don't do that, but the reasoning behind them. Teach them everything about God's word. Teach them diligently when sitting down and walking down the road, when going to bed and waking in the morning. Put reminders on your house everywhere. Essentially, immerse yourself in the law. But there's a problem there. The problem with the law is not really a problem with the law, but both in our inability to keep the law and the law's inability to do anything about our inability to keep the law. The law can only condemn. It cannot give life. Only the gospel offers life and that through Jesus. But the law is a valuable guide for believers, how believers should live their lives as those who belong to the Lord. We can only obey as we are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, though. The Lutherans talk about law and gospel, and that's, a, that's an important distinction. There's law and there's gospel. Reformed theologians talk about three uses of the law to tell us our sin, to show us our, or to show God's holiness, to show us our sin, and then to teach us how to live after the Holy Spirit lives in us. But maybe the best way of saying it is law, gospel, Holy Spirit. I can't keep the, the, the Old Testament uh, commands, much less the New Testament. Look, the New Testament commands are tougher than the Old Testament. It's not only can we not kill someone, we can't even hate them. Can't do it. And that's tough if you're a sports fan. You know, you got your team and you got the other team. And your, your spouse says, oh, is that your team playing? No, it's just I want this one team to lose, you know. I mean, we, we just, everything about us differentiates. And we're for this and we're against that. So the New Testament standards are tougher even than the Old Testament standards. We can only fulfill the commands in the word, both old and new, by the power of the author of the word, the Holy Spirit, making us like Jesus according to the Father's plan. We must always remember, though, we are not saved 
by keeping the law. And we're certainly not saved by being better than others. You might be tempted to think and live as if this world is all there is, especially since scientists and IT specialists are doing everything they can to sustain life. I suspect one of the reasons that many are working so hard to help men and women live to be 150 years old is at least partially, even if it's subconscious, a dread of judgment. And judgment will come. Either we will pay for our sins or we will be found in Jesus who paid for our sins. That's why run to Jesus. Always find shelter in him. By the way, if you've got a loved one in the hospital who's close to the end and you don't know what to say, just say call out to Jesus. If they shake their head, You might ask, as Jim McLaughlin asked, a relative, do you think you're too bad? You're not. Call out to Jesus. He took your sin. The gospel is counterintuitive. To forgive those who harm you is unnatural. But we are never more like Jesus than we actively forgive those who harm us. We need not look beyond our own lives and our own relationship with God to see just how unnatural the gospel is. If you have failed in your attempts to live a good life, you may feel as though God is mad with you and doesn't want anything to do with you. Which is, by the way, parents, the reason that you cannot stay upset with your kids You can't, when you discipline them, be done with it and laugh with them and have fun with them. You can't stay. You're building a perception of God. If, on the other hand, you feel like you've been rather decent lately, you might feel that God is pleased with you and, in fact, fortunate to have you in the family. That's law talking. And you could be in danger. When the gospel begins to speak and say that there is absolutely nothing good in you to attract God's attention and his favor. And yet in Jesus, God loves you with a delight that is beyond anything the world has ever known. Well, now that's a foreign language. You need to work on it every single day if you have any hope. Of retaining it. It's why Sunday after Sunday, people up here say, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Furthermore, teach the gospel to your children. When you're sitting down, when you're walking down the road, when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, put reminders everywhere you in your home and on your person. Ask questions of them to provoke thought that will enable them. To choose the truth of Scripture over the impulses of the day. You're just trading them and just saying, this is the way you got to think and this is the way you got to live. That's not good enough. It's not going to do it. You have to encourage them to ask questions, even to challenge, so that you can discuss it through. So much better if you have that kind of environment in your home. Well, let's, let's talk about this. Why? 
I know a lot of your friends think that we should go and support those who are in the gay pride parade. I mean, doesn't it say that we hate them if we're not there? You get a chance to respond to that and just say, why would you think it's not hatred? That in fact, it's a loving thing. For us to say, we love you, but we can't agree with this lifestyle. Talk about movies, about books, about shows that you watch together. About the activities that the city promotes that are antithetical to God's ways. Essentially, immerse your family in the truth of the gospel. Teaching your children to live gospel-saturated lives. And you can't do that by teaching them we're better than them. That's why we don't go. That's not the point. The point is God in his mercy saves sinners. And we're all worthy of his condemnation. But he loved us and we need to communicate that love as best we can. Since we are as a church the covenant family of God. We're privileged to teach the gospel to our children all year round. On Sunday mornings during VBS. Anytime when we interact with other families. Some of you are going to get together for lunch today. After church and the kids are going to be mercifully at another booth or another table. Even still, you're training them. As you might have heard, Keisha is still looking to fill positions in children's ministry. The one constant in all church ministries with any kids at all seems to be, we need children's workers. This week, when a 50-year ruling on abortion has been overturned, we might well be called to love children. We had no plans or no anticipation of them being in our lives. And in a day when the prince of the power of the air is doing everything he can to distort and destroy God's creation order, husband and wife filling the earth for God's glory, let's affirm our love for God and our love for, our, for the children that God has given us. Loving your children equally and individually is a good place to start. Don't love one of your kids more than the... Don't say anything that makes any of your kids think they are less loved than the others. If you've been doing it, stop now. Love them all. But this one's so difficult. This one's so easy. What's your point? I was difficult. I was miserably difficult before I was saved. Actually, I'm still pretty miserably difficult. But the Lord saved me anyway. That's a good place to start. Signing up for children's ministry is a good place to start. Becoming more actively involved with local ministries that our church supports. Hand of Hope and Amazing Grace Adoptions. That's a good place to start. The end goal will be for Grace Community Church to raise up children who love God and who love their neighbors as they love themselves. That would be kingdom living at its finest. Let's pray. Father, um, 
we acknowledge every time we come to the word, we, we, we acknowledge uh, I'm not there. I'm not where I ought to be. That, that's the beauty of the gospel. May we every time see your love for us and may the love that you have for us shown in the sending of your son to die in our place and leaving the Holy Spirit as we sang about last week or two until Jesus returns. Lord, may that love motivate us to live for you and in your strength Obey all of these commands that are given not to destroy our, our, our individuality or, or, or to, to, to put limits on how much we can enjoy life, but indeed are done out of love with our best interest in mind and heart. So, Lord, uh, may... Jesus be exalted in our midst at Grace Community Church in our personal lives. Our love for our neighbors. And may we, in your strength and power, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might. And then love our neighbor as ourselves. It's in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.